Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and I'm here with Jenny. And today we are going to be talking about getting comfortable with your pressure canner and with pressure canning in general. Our pressure canning episodes with the Perfectly Preserved Podcast have been getting so many downloads. You guys are really loving these episodes. So I'm excited that we're going to talk about it and just kind of go through how to get comfortable, some of the things you need to look out for, and just all of it. We're going to talk more pressure canning. Jenny, are you ready? (laughs) Let's do it. I feel like this is the subject that gives people the most anxiety, the most worry, and I feel like it has some of the greatest rewards in canning, but it just feels without, without the right knowledge, it can feel really risky. So I'm excited to dive in. Okay. Our number one tip or the first thing that we thought of is when you're doing pressure canning, do it with a friend. Now we're going to talk about a very specific kind of person that we would recommend doing it with. Do it with a friend who follows a recipe, who is maybe a type A friend, who's very regimented and is very good at following instructions step by step. Do it with that kind of friend or be that friend. Be that person that does it step by step. I love that because I think pressure canning can be easier than many other types of cooking or canning because it is so clear what you're supposed to do. There's no room for you to like riff and do something different, like just follow the directions. That's the most important thing you can do with pressure canning is to follow the directions. And in that, our next tip is to read the whole set of directions for the whole recipe way before you plan to preserve it. Like read the whole thing and decide If you're going to break the recipe into steps, like if you're going to cook the preserve one day and then preserve it the next, or if you're going to cut up all your vegetables and meat one day and then preserve the next, or if you think you realistically have enough time to do the whole process in a day. There's plenty of pressure canning recipes that are just a couple hours, but some of them are a multi-day <laughs> a multi-day project, right? So you can definitely check out our podcast episode about pressure canning bone broth. And that's one, for example, that you could easily break into two or three days. So your active time is reduced into smaller chunks. Take it from there, Anna. What's the next point on our list? Yeah. So there are a lot of people, myself included, that think that pressure canning jars of water just to practice is like a really great way to test out your pressure canner, make sure you're doing all the steps. There's like, you know, water is inexpensive. So, you know, you aren't ruining a batch of, say, canned meat or something. Like, 
it's a really simple foray first step into pressure canning. So do it with water. That's a great tip. And pressure canning water is just a useful thing to have for emergency preparedness. So it wouldn't be like your efforts, it would be a waste, right? You would be able to store those jars of preserved water. Just use the best quality water you have available. You don't have to get like fancy water. You can just use whatever the best quality water you have available. And then you don't have any cooking time either. The whole process will be a shorter process. Our next tip is to can broth. So you can make vegetable broth and can it. You can make the bone broth and can it. And that is a handy first recipe to to do with your pressure canner because the processing times are going to be shorter because the food inside the jar is not as dense. It's more liquid and there's no big chunks of meat to penetrate. So it's a shorter process. And especially with a broth, like a, a roasted mushroom broth or a vegetable broth, that whole process can be fairly quick. Yeah. I love that idea. I also love the idea of maybe doing something like tomato juice. We just talked about a steam juicer in a previous episode that's coming out and tomato juice is is super similar. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. So another way that you can get familiar is you can use a recipe that comes with your pressure canner. So we wouldn't necessarily say that we advocate for buying a brand new pressure canner, but having a pressure canner that comes with an up-to-date manual is really advantageous. So whether your pressure canner is brand new or it's used and you found the manual on the manufacturer's website, those manuals should come with a recipe and they are designed, like those companies spent a ton of money to come up with recipes that are not only tested and safe, but are easy for a beginner to use. So a recipe that comes with the manual, I mean, one, it's just physically helpful to have it right there printed in front of your face. And two, it's going to be designed to be a successful one. So that is another way that you can gain confidence and competency in using your pressure canner. The next part we wanted to talk about was we wanted to talk about the ways people get into trouble with pressure canning. Anna, what do you think is one thing that people do, one pitfall with pressure canning that we want our listeners to avoid? Okay, so there's something that you do at the very beginning of your processing, and that is called exhausting your pressure canner. And it's basically building up the steam and pressure inside your pressure canner before you top it off and bring the pressure up to whatever your pound's pressure is. And this is called exhausting. And a lot of people don't do it for 10 minutes, or maybe they forget. But what that process is doing is pushing the air out so that the internal temperature can reach those higher temperatures. So it's super important that your vent is clear and that you exhaust for 10 minutes. And I'm not talking like a little bit of steam. I'm talking like choo-choo, chugga-chugga, like lots of steam Mm -hmm. coming out of your pressure canner and you time it for 10 minutes. That's actually, I mean, I don't want to say it's more important than the processing time, but it's just as important 
that filling that vessel with that pure steam is that's the mechanism that's going to make it hot enough inside to safely preserve your low acid recipe. So do not skip that. Another way that canners get into trouble, not our listeners, they're listening to this and they are not going to do this. But the way people get into trouble is they don't wait for the canner to cool before opening it. And that is when you hear about people getting hurt. They don't wait for it to cool. You can know that it's cool, of course, like by touch, right? Getting your hand close to the surface, the lid, the sides, seeing how cool it is. But you can look at the air vent, also known as the cover lock on the lid of the canner to see that it is flat before you open it. My husband's aunt, who has canned all her life, is a great anecdotal story of an experienced canner who got hurt pressure canning because she didn't wait. She was so comfortable in the process. That's like driving down the road almost home and you take your seatbelt off, right? Like she just was in a kind of in a hurry, didn't really keep track of how long it had been since she turned the heat off. And she suffered pretty serious burns on her arm because she opened it. But it wasn't any fault of the canner device. She just was comfortable and didn't time it, didn't look at the cover lock, didn't look at the air vent. And I would hazard a guess that many of the injuries that people, you know, talk about, everybody's got a story that they saw online or some sort of explosion, it's not waiting for it to cool. Is there any harm in waiting a long time for it to cool, Anna? Is there any reason that you can't like let it sit for a long time? I've heard of something called flat sour Mm. that happens in your jars if you leave the lid on for extended periods of time. I'm talking like longer than 12 hours. It's called flat sour and it basically like ruins whatever batch you have in there. Hmm. But for me, like if I'm processing something and it's late at night and I don't want to wait, what I do is when my dial gauge goes down to zero and I know that there's no more pressure in there, I will take the top weighted gauge off, open the lid and set the lid aside and just let the jars cool in my pressure canner, but with the lid off. Do you ever do that or or how do you do it? I am a early bird, not a, a night owl usually. I mean, sometimes, God knows, I have canned at 11 o'clock at night, but I try to not do that. So what I will do in my canning routine is more like the time is done. I've processed for the amount of time. I turn my thing off and then I'll like go to town or go do something for two or three hours. And then when I come back, it's like clearly cool. It's it's cool to the touch. All concern of it being not cool is gone. And then I open. I, that seems to be my routine much more so than like at the you know end of the night when you want to go to bed for hopefully eight hours. So I just, I tend to just leave it kind of a long time, like two or three hours so that I just have no worry at all. I feel totally positive. It's definitely cool. There's not going to be any sort of force to drive that lid up. But you said the word dial. I should have said that. Like you guys just look at the dial and it will tell you if there's any pressure. And if there's any doubt, then don't open it. Give it another half an hour. Yeah. I mean, I think you're smart, Jenny, just waiting that hour or two. It does, it does not matter as much. Like you just let it come down to zero, cool down a bit, take the lid off and you don't have to worry as much about like steam burns or worrying that there's pressure in there. Like, right. Okay. So 
since I am the thrifting queen and people always ask me like, well, how, how do you pick up a presser canner secondhand? How do you know? Okay. So I really thoroughly inspect and I have passed on pressure canners if they are missing, say like uh, the pressure vent valve that's supposed to be there that was added later on. I look for dents and dings. I look for missing parts or like I do not use a pressure canner that's used if I don't know if the dial is calibrated correctly mm-hmm. or if I'm worried that there's like a dent or something in it. You never want to purchase secondhand a pressure canner that is missing all the parts or is dented, dinged, any of that. Like you just need to make sure that you're, this is a, it's a really serious situation yeah. if it's, if it's not up to par. Yeah. you. <laughs> the, no amount of money that you would save is going to be worth it if you get hurt, your kitchen is damaged, you have a thing that scares the heck out of you. Right. There's n- literally no reason to not be very cautious in purchasing or acquiring or borrowing or using a pressure canner. And with that, with the thrifting when you're or, or just acquiring it in some other way other than brand new, I think the number one question I have answered for people on our social media and via email and stuff is people don't know how much water to put at the bottom of the pressure canner. And that is actually a really important thing that you need to know. And you would know it by looking at the manual. And if you're using a pressure canner that's older than Moses, you probably won't be able to find a, a manual. Or, or I mean, maybe you will. But if you don't have a <laughs> manual, then you aren't going to know how much water to put in the bottom. I had a person send me a picture of what was like the inside of the bottom of their pot. And it had like very faint, a couple lines and no words. And I was like, girl, you, I don't know. You don't know if the internet doesn't know, how are you going to know? You're not going to know <laughs> like just three lines. That tells me nothing. I, that could be, I wasn't even sure that the device she had was a pressure canner. And I know like I'm very budget conscious too, but Oh, you know, a Presto 16 quart, I think is like $130. That's just not that much money if it means completely avoiding what could be a really dangerous situation. So usually the amount of water in the bottom is two or three quarts, which is not the same as two or three inches. That's another question I get. Is it how many inches or how many quarts? Well, it depends on your canner. Mine is three quarts of water. But yeah, but that's different. It's different from canner to canner. And Anne and I, nor your extension office, can tell you unless they know exactly what type of canner you have, and you got to look that up or find the manual to tell you. So I think that's actually we can't emphasize that enough. You need to know how much water goes in the bottom. At the Master Preserver course, they talked about a woman who suffered from botulism and lived to tell the tale. But she didn't know how much water to put in her pressure canner. And that led to her contracting or or growing in her jar the botulism toxin. And she suffered a very, very serious illness and was lucky to be alive. But she added more water. She thought, oh, like canning, your jars are in water, right? And she did not look at the manual. God bless her. And that's how that happens, by not following the directions. (laughs) So the next thing is we wanted to talk about 
another way that pressure canners get into trouble is the vent. Anna, what problems can happen with the vent in a pressure canner? So I've heard people say this before, but most, if not all, pressure canners can also be used as pressure cookers. Mm -hmm. So when I was growing up, my mom had an all-American pressure canner and she used to make giant pots of chili in it. Mm. And what can happen is if you cook food in it, or if they're like, say you had a jar maybe that cracked in your mm-hmm. pressure canner when you were doing a batch mm-hmm. and you didn't clean out your vent pipe, uh, some debris can get in there and it's not able to exhaust mm-hmm. or things get stuck and, and that air can't exhaust. That's when you find, you know, lids blowing off or malfunctions. You'll notice the, I mean, you just get into trouble if you, do not have your vent uh, cleaned out. So, right. We talk about this in an earlier episode, actually, because my vent was actually clogged with hard water minerals that were in there, and it was making this really high pitched whistling sound. And when I called Presto to ask, they said, oh, just get a a little toothpick and clean it out because that hard water mineral deposits were kind of clogging that vent. So Mm -hmm. just take a little toothpick and clean it out before you do your pressure canning and you'll be fine. I'm not trying to like freak anyone out. No, no. And I mean, that's what this episode's about is being not freaked out, but and when you know where trouble can happen and what to do to avoid it, then hopefully you feel really empowered. But that is really important to mention that the pressure canners, most of them are marketed as pressure cookers also. And they are, right? You can cook in them. But that's the thing is you have to be very careful and thoughtful cleaning that lid, every part of it, to make sure that there's no food debris that will inhibit the seal, clog the vent. I mean, the vent, I think, is the thing that that really gives people trouble. I have spent a fair amount of time in canning Facebook groups, which, I mean, that's the Wild West, man. There's, <laughs> it's the good, the bad, and the ugly out there. But I try to, <laughs> I try to figure out, uh, as research for this podcast and for all of my canning pursuits, I try to figure out, so what happened? Why, why do, people always post problems, right? And what happened? And anytime I've seen, and it's not often, seen pressure canners that have, you know, for lack of a better expression, blown up, right? Too much pressure was built and then the something has to release and then the lid, you know, hits the ceiling. I think most of the time it is a clog because the pressure is building and then there's nowhere to go. Or people don't put the right amount of water. They don't put enough water and then they just have this heat and no water in there. But I, that's not a scientific answer. That's just what I'm observing yeah in the wild west that is facebook groups i think it's a fairly common cause of people having trouble what other tips can you give for getting comfortable with pressure canning anna or or have we hit all the all the big ones i mean i think i think getting comfortable just means doing your due diligence doing your research reading every single step of your book that's what i did i even watched youtube tutorials that were made by the company. Like I watched some all American YouTube tutorials and also Presto has some really great ones on YouTube just to make sure I was doing it right. Because when like my mom did a ton of pressure canning growing up, but I don't live by my mom anymore. And so, um, you know, just, I was doing it by myself. So I needed to 
just go right to the source, right to the manufacturer. Don't be scared to do a ton of research before you start. Those are great tips. I think that wraps up an awesome episode. And we would love to hear from you. If you follow some of these tips, or if we left anything off, please email us at perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com. But thank you guys for being here. And we can't wait to hear how you guys are getting comfortable pressure canning. Thanks, guys. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode. So please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.